and welcome to the latest edition of Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. On today's episode, we will be exploring the ingenious technology behind cancer immunotherapy, a technique that modifies the body's own immune cells to better target cancer. I'm joined on today's podcast by TN's cancer research editor, Laura Lansdowne. How are you, Laura? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? Yes, good. I am well, as I'm quite excited to, to get my teeth into this. And uh, it's a fascinating technology and it's had a huge decade uh, culminating in the award and two years ago in 2018 of the Nobel Prize in Physiology uh, to James P. Allison and Tsuku Honjo for their work in cancer immunotherapy, which shows that it's, it's had a, a, a really massive impact at uh, a mainstream level uh, for biomedicine. But I wanted to look back and see where this kind of began in, in history. And I ended up in a, a Google hole looking at medicine in the third century in China, as you do. Uh, <laughs> there's there's not a whole lot of written evidence of this. And despite no one obviously having a clue what the immune system was back then, people were still indirectly augmenting it to fight disease even then. So during the Qin Dynasty period, purposeful inoculation with a variola minor virus was undertaken in order to prevent smallpox disease. And, uh, you know, I think that represents kind of the, the beginning of, of general immunotherapy. But we have to jump forward a, a couple thousand years before we get to anything that's, that's maybe a bit more targeted. Now, I know, Laura, you're looking into some uh, 19th century and early 20th century physicians that kind of pioneered this work. What did you find out? Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I guess, like you said, there's a lot of interest in immunotherapy nowadays, and it's it's, it's a huge field. But I'd, yeah, it's it's fascinating that it goes back so far. So, um, in terms of cancer and the immune system and the relationship between those two things, there was actually a German physician and scientist called um, Paul Ehrlich. I hopefully I pronounced his name wrong, right. I'm not uh, you know amazing with my German pronunciation. But that was back in 1909. And he postulated that the immune system was able to recognize and protect against cancer. Obviously, he wasn't using the terms immune system. He was, you know, looking back on his work and, you know, his his publications. It's a little bit more generalized, but Mm -hmm. there was something going on. So one of the key quotes from him that I'll just read out kind of gives you a taster as to he was understanding the relationship between these two things. So he wrote in, in the enormously complicated course of fetal and post-fetal development, aberrant cells become unusually common. Fortunately, in the majority of people, they remain completely latent thanks to the organism's positive mechanisms. So those positive mechanisms he was referring to were probably our immune system. That's what my articles read like when I haven't done the proper research, you know, <laughs> due to some... Something happening. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just to think that he obviously had an idea of what was going on back in 1909. And then about 50 years later, after this initial observation that there was some some link going on, um, uh, two um, scientists, Lewis Thomas and Sir Frank McBurnett, absolutely incredible name, hypothesised that it was immune cells that were capable of surveying tissues within the body for these transformed cells, so these cancer cells. And this kind of concept was actually named the immune surveillance theory. So that kind of set in stone a specific concept. There was this thing called the immune surveillance theory, and there was absolutely a link between, you know, immune cells and cancer cells. And then about 20 years later, Georges uh, Kohler and Caesar Milstein, two researchers, actually discovered how to fuse specific cells together. And this 
advancement, it kind of was the basis for the commercial potential of immunotherapy. So they discovered a way to fuse mouse spleen cells to a cell line derived from a mouse tumor. Um, And they created a new type of cell. So these were termed hybridomas, which I'm sure as soon as I say that name, you know, you're familiar with the term hybridoma. But so these cells produce monoclonal antibodies. And for the first time, they kind of created a way of manufacturing these in a in a large quantity and to a kind of a consistent specification meaning that obviously you could kind of take smaller experiments to a more kind of clinical and preclinical level um and create enough to kind of start looking at clinical development the potential of them to actually be used therapeutically and so the the monoclonal antibodies so these are antibodies that are all clones of each other just for a, a non-expert, perhaps you could give a bit of background to those. Yeah, no problem. So, well, an antibody in general is a, is a Y-shaped molecule that's typically produced by immune cells in response to an antigen. So an antigen is a molecule um, that can be on a virus. It can be, in this case, it would be on a cancer cell. But these antigens possess specific individual features and then antibodies can attach to those features. So they're specific to the different antigens. And following on from, um, you know, the commercial potential of antibodies, it was only 10 years later that um, the first monoclonal antibody was actually tested in a clinical trial. Um, And this was the first humanized monoclonal antibody. So when I say humanized monoclonal antibody, um, these antibodies are from non-human species, um, but they've actually been modified by combining human antibody elements to make them less immunogenic. So they're they're better tolerated by the body because obviously you want them to be able to do their job. Um, you don't want them to be notify your immune system as something foreign and destroyed before they can have an effect. So um, this monoclonal antibody was actually called trastuzumab, which is Herceptin, which I'm sure people are probably more familiar with the, the name Herceptin. Um, and it was the first humanized antibody to be approved for therapeutic use. And that was um, the clinical trial I was discussing there was actually directed uh, towards the HER2 receptor in breast cancer, which obviously is, um, I'm sure everyone, well, I'm sure, Rory, you've heard of HER2, the HER2 receptor in breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So monoclonal antibodies, I'd say, was the first immunotherapy to be you know, developed um, and then other types. I guess, followed in subsequent years. That basic idea of just, we've got this guard dog in our bodies that we we sicken all these bacteria that, that come in, why not sick it on, on tumour? seems like a, a really ingenious way to start. Uh, mm-hmm. But it seems uh, we have a lot of content on the site, on technology networks, about cancer immunotherapy. And in our show notes, you'll be able to, to read some of the many articles we have. And one of them is, talking about five different types of immunotherapy. Perhaps, Laura, you could kind of take us through a, a couple of the, the types that are on that list and, and our readers and listeners can have a look back through the others. But how, how do we take that basic idea of immunotherapy and create these, these five different types of more specialised immunotherapy? Um, so I'll just run through the different types very briefly. So with the five types, there's adoptive cell therapy. So this, these therapies use immune cells directly to fight cancer. Um, There are also cancer vaccines, um, and there are several different types of cancer vaccine. There's therapeutic, preventive, personalised. There's also immunomodulators. Um, So these are therapies that modulate 
your immune system so they can suppress or activate elements of it to help um, combat cancer. And then there's targeted antibodies, um, which we've obviously touched on a little bit with monoclonal antibodies um, in our previous section of the podcast. And then there's oncolytic virus therapy. So I wanted to touch maybe on the different types of cancer vaccine, just because I think it's quite interesting because obviously you're not just talking about the treatment of cancer, you're also kind of talking about the prevention of cancer as well so preventing it from actually occurring i feel like i've been reading about vaccines every five minutes over the last six months of 2020 but remind me again what what do vaccines and viruses have to do with cancer for example some types of cancer um you'll probably be most familiar with an example i give in a minute um, in terms of cervical cancer but so some types of cancer can be caused by viruses and these viruses are known as oncoviruses okay So cancer vaccines are designed to alert the immune system. Preventive cancer vaccines um, are designed to alert the immune system to a specific virus so that it's able to recognise and attack the virus before it's able to cause an infection. A great example of this is um, HPV. So certain types of human papillomavirus are linked to cancer. So like I said before, um, cervical cancer, vaginal cancer, head and neck cancers. and obviously, these types of cancer vaccine are given to healthy individuals before they've got cancer as a means to prevent it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was 2006 was the first US um, approved preventive vaccine. And that was Gardasil. Um, and that was for cervical cancer. And um, so it's a fairly new concept, I guess, in terms of, you know, yeah. from 1909 to 2006. So, yeah. So that's kind of the preventive side of things. And there's obviously the therapeutic side. So you give these to cancer patients once they've had a a diagnosis. And they're obviously designed to destroy cancer cells by strengthening that patient's own immune responses. And there are, you know, a few examples of therapeutic cancer vaccines. So there's a, oh, this is hard to pronounce, but I'm going to give it a go. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. (laughs) Um, Cipulusal T. So that's Prevenge, which is its other name. Um, and this is approved now approved for prostate cancer. So yeah, there's there's many examples. There's another one that's um, approved for patients with um, bladder cancer as well. So you know this is a new concept. There's actually a group um, over in Australia, and I actually interviewed um, the head of the research centre there. So uh, Kristen okay. Radford, um, and she leads up the Cancer Immunotherapies Research Group. Um, at the Matter Research Institute in Brisbane, Australia. Um, and they're actually trying to create, um, I guess, a more universal vaccine um, that's designed to target tumours that express a specific transcription factor. So it's Wilms Tumour 1. And this is a really highly immunogenic uh, tumour-associated an- tumor associated antigen. And it's, it's overexpressed in lots of different cancers. So the exciting thing here is that it obviously has the potential to treat many different cancer types. And that Um, includes ones that aren't caused by viruses, just any that express this particular receptor type. Yeah. So um, it's still in preclinical development, um, but I spoke to her a few weeks ago and they're hoping to have a clinical grade version ready for human testing within three years. So I know that kind of sounds like a long time, but I guess they're making quite good progress and really three years from going from a preclinical you know, product to a clinical grade. COVID just... has ruined us, you know, all this mm-hmm. 
oh, we'll have a vaccine in eight minutes, just hang tight. You know, that doesn't that's not usually the pace of clinical development. And immunotherapy seems to be outside of coronavirus vaccine development, one of the quickest advancing technologies. It's mm-hmm. really amazing how quickly it's transformed. Mm-hmm. And perhaps, you know, obviously with advances in the COVID vaccine situation, obviously fuel development in other areas, they said. So, you know, hopefully that will help drive things forward a lot quicker as well, because everyone's, you know, so involved in trying to get this vaccine um, for SARS-CoV-2. Yeah, the um, oncovirus, oncovirus is in the the uh, cancer vaccines you're talking about seem seem like really amazing technology but the 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 ones that i'm i'm most familiar with and i'll, I'll preface this by saying i'm not too familiar with uh, any of these these cancer technologies but the, the one that i was most aware of was uh, checkpoint inhibitor technology mm-hmm. um, so this is as i said earlier what won uh, honjo and allison uh, their nobel prize in, in 2018 mm-hmm. so as i understand it these these checkpoint inhibitors target different stages of immune cell activation where the presence of cancers and, and cancer cells tends to send these immune cells into a period of dormancy and, and um, by targeting the, the stages where these these cells are are kind of inhibited by inhibiting the inhibitors they can wake these uh, these immune cells back up so that they they get hyped and ready to attack the the cancer again is that a, is that a reasonably accurate interpretation of the the research yeah, I would say so. So yeah, checkpoint inhibitors block uh, can block block immune uh, checkpoints. So cancer cells and tumors often manipulate these checkpoints to shield themselves from mm. the immune system. So checkpoint inhibitors can reduce um, the immunosuppressive mechanisms that they kind of create. So it's a very clever concept, really, isn't it? Um, you know, kind of blocking is just yeah, getting in there first before they've got an opportunity to dull down those you know mechanisms so that we've got a chance to to um to fight those cancer cells i think that although that that certainly seems to be one of the 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 therapies has made one of the biggest differences um i've read that these these therapies are still linked to some side effects that are common to autoimmune responses so uh, you know other therapies that, that target the immune system can lead to these these autoimmune systems which aren't ideal mm-hmm. um, I know you you've been reading a bit more about oncolytic viral therapy is that something that can can overcome that or is it a totally different uh, approach um I'll, I'll give you a, a kind of a lowdown on oncolytic virus therapy sure we go from there so obviously there's so much discussion about viruses at the minute with COVID-19 but um so oncolytic virus therapy so Obviously, viruses are infectious agents and they're capable of infecting living cells. So they're hijacking the genetic machinery, um, which allows the viruses to replicate inside of the cells. Um, So modified versions of viruses can be created to target and attack cancer cells, which I think is just incredible how you can manipulate them in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are termed oncolytic viruses. So these viruses can be engineered to decrease um, their ability to infect normal cells so they leave those alone um, and then they can be used um, as delivery vehicles for transporting um, therapeutics um, specifically to cancer cells. So like you said, there, you know, there is that it's, it's you're able to target these cancer cells more specifically um, with this type of approach. Um, it is very, it's, you know, probably one of the newest immunotherapy concepts okay. that, you know, has, you know, it's probably the newest, I would say. Um, but there is already a therapy approved um, that's been approved by the um, 
FDA, the US regulator, and that's TVEC, and that's for uh, melanoma, uh, skin cancer. Um, so, you know, obviously it's, you know, one of the newest, but they're making great progress if they've already mm. got an approved treatment um, that's based on that. So I think that's a really exciting area to keep an eye on, I think, at the minute. Yeah, I'd, I'd been doing a, a little bit of reading about what sort of futuristic cancer immunotherapy would look like. Um, and one thing that the the articles on our site at least had touched on, there's a, there's a great piece uh, which is headlined, uh, immunotherapy treatments could be administered by a pill in the future, which sounds really tempting because if, if I'm right in understanding this, a lot of these immunotherapies are currently delivered by IV, is that right? Yeah, so it's either I, yeah, IV or injection, which obviously you need an appointment with a healthcare professional for, which is a completely different experience to having, you know, a, a pill or a capsule-based medicine that you can take at home. So, yeah, and like you said, I guess one of the key issues with kind of transferring that over to like a, a pill kind of administration route is um, side effects and the fact that, I guess, biological uh, therapeutics are a lot bigger than small molecule drugs, which mm. can be very, 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 very small and packaged a lot easier. Exactly. Yeah. These these antibody based drugs, as as Laura said, there have all these issues with cost and stability and inability to be packed down into these, these tiny delivery systems. Um, but what I've read about were these small molecule designs, which have targeted proteins like uh, the program Cell Death, um, one protein, which is something that one of these, uh, as I mentioned earlier, proteins that get immune cells fired up and ready to to target tumor cells. Uh, it'd be great if we could target molecules like that with custom-made drugs, but what Jenna, the author of uh, the article I mentioned, had highlighted in inner piece was really interesting research that could make it much easier for drug developers to target specific areas of proteins with small molecule drugs. So currently it's it's really hard to work out where you would want to target a part of a protein mm -hmm. where you'd want to target a, a particular molecule too. But they've developed this technique which is called protein painting and it works pretty much as you'd imagined it. They have these tiny molecular dyes which are swabbed all over a particular protein and then are swabbed over that protein when it binds to its ligand. Now the ligand is uh, essentially the, the molecule that has to bind to the protein to get it fired up. If you imagine like a, I don't know, a football team getting ready to play a game, you know, it's the equivalent of them all huddling together before the, the game starts. To, <laughs> well, I to can't do that now, COVID-19. No, exactly, that. exactly. Not, <laughs> that, not that right now. Um, <laughs> so once these the ligand and the, and the protein have, have huddled together. If you imagine, they're so closely bound that the dye can't reach the area where they're connecting, you know, the, the mm -hmm. shoulder around the arm. It can't, it can't reach that, that particular surface. So what the researchers have been doing is painting this, this bound together complex and then separating it and breaking it down with mass spectrometry. And they can then see the regions that are now unpainted because Previously, they were they were bound to each other. There was no way to access it, and so by doing that, they can essentially look at the up, the unpainted sections and say, "This this is what we need to target with anything that is aiming to bind to the the protein." So I think that's just an an ingenious way of really speeding up all drug discovery, but in particular because they've already targeted it towards these proteins that are are crucial for uh, cancer immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. Might be a great way that we can start to develop small molecule drugs that. We'll still modulate the immune system, but we'll be a successor to antibody-based therapies in the future. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And 
perhaps it can also be applied to different therapeutic areas as well um, besides cancer. So, yeah, very exciting work going on at the minute. It, besides, you know, in spite of COVID and all of the resources and everything kind of being directed towards that. So, yeah. It's, uh, it's immensely promising. Were there any other advances in the technology you'd wanted to highlight before we finish up? Um, so, yeah, from me, really, not too much more, just highlighting that you know potential universal vaccine again i'll speak to Kristen and her team um, in a few months and just see how that's progressing that protein painting is you know a very exciting area and nothing comes to mind at the minute but i'm sure within the next few months there'll be a lot more things that we could potentially talk about in um, another podcast so you know just uh let me know when you want to do another one and i'm sure we'll have lots to discuss Yes, until Opinionated Science Cancer Immunotherapy 2. That's all <laughs> from us for now. But thank you so much, Laura, for talking with me. And thanks to our listeners for attending this new podcast. Now, we'll be back uh, next couple of weeks with a new podcast. So please stay tuned until then. Please share, subscribe and uh, comment on our podcast. Please don't keep your opinions to yourself. Bye for now.